You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Lord, may your spirit guide us in our meditation this day to grow in our faith and in our relationship with you. Amen. We've heard um, politicians say something to the effect that they have a, as a Christian, they have a private Christian faith, and then they have a public kind of presentation and policy that they go by. And we've heard other people echo that sentiment also. Or if we would state it maybe a different way, it would go something like this. A Christian's faith does not need to influence their public life. Now, one person who strongly would disagree with that is Dr. James Kennedy, when he wrote his book some years back. The book was entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And in that particular presentation, he writes this. Everything that Jesus touched, he utterly transformed. Jesus has had an enormous impact, more than anyone else, on history. Prior to the coming of Christ, human life on this planet was exceedingly cheap. Life was expendable prior to Christianity's influence. As we in the post-Christian West abandon our Judeo-Christian heritage, human life is becoming cheap again. And then his thesis, as he goes on in the particular book, is that America became a strong nation as its people embraced Jesus' love and values and used their Judeo-Christian life and faith to guide them in their decisions, in their actions, and in their accomplishments. As he goes on in applying all of these values of Jesus, he says, hospitals were built, women's lives were elevated, schools were established, medical expertise was developed, the work ethic led people to better themselves, and governments were established to benefit all people instead of just the elite. And he has a chapter on each one of these. Another man, John Woodbridge, who edited the book More Than Conquerors, in introducing everything that was to follow in the book, wrote this. The most common characteristic running through a Christian's life is the seriousness of their commitment to the Lord Jesus whom they loved. These were not Sunday Christians who paraded their Christianity as a matter of social convention. Most of them were deadly serious. They wanted to love the Lord their God with all their hearts, souls, and minds, and their neighbors as themselves. And the former Lutheran Hour speaker, Dr. Oswald Hoffman, became famous for his advice, which he stated this way, bloom where you are planted. And his thesis is, is that Christian lives, everything that a Christian does or promotes or advises should be based on the very fact that we are the redeemed children of God and everything that we do should invite others to join us in the joy of Jesus. So what would St. Paul say to the whole idea that a Christian might follow Jesus and then use that faith to influence life's decisions and actions? 
And he answers that in part by what he writes today and what we have read as our epistle lesson for today from the, his letter to the Colossian Christians. And in these verses, he says this, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Now in today's gospel lesson, we heard that Jesus commended Mary for seeking to learn from him, which is the one thing that was needful. And in the Old Testament lesson, we heard God make a promise, and the promise was is that he, he intended to keep it by giving Sarah and Abraham a child. But it also points out that God knows when he is being mocked. So in the wisdom that early Christian servants lived their lives as though Jesus made all the difference in the world for them, their values and their decisions and their lives invited people to see Jesus and the saving difference that he made for their lives, both now and in eternity. And this was the world in which Tertullian, an early Christian church father, writes, and you heard me read this a couple of weeks ago. Tertullian writes, there was an old decree that no one should be consecrated as a god by an emperor before he had been approved by the Senate. Romans conferred deity through human approval. If a god does not please man, he does not become god. In other words, values and status would be granted by a governing majority. It was difficult for Christians at that point in time to live out their Christian faith. But isn't it also difficult for us as Christians today to live out our faith in the culture in which we find ourselves in a time when human wisdom just basically says, keep your faith to yourself. Kennedy goes on to write, for 2,000 years, the vitality of the Christian church has been determined by what we have done with Jesus. When Jesus has been the center of our attention and we have sought to follow him as faithful disciples, then the church has been strong. But when Christians have misplaced him amidst the clutter of our bureaucracy or relegated him to a marginal place in our life, then we have become weak and impotent. In his letter to the Colossian Christians, Paul writes about Jesus. Now, Colossians is one of his later letters that he writes. And in it, he presents a, a highly developed presentation of Jesus. As Paul grew older, his way of talking about Jesus grew stronger. And so, by the time he wrote this letter to those folks, he not only thought of Jesus as Lord and Savior and head of the church, 
but he also thought of him as the very truth of God being made known through human flesh, what we call the incarnation. And Jesus, he says, is the one who is at the center of all history. He's the one who holds everything together. Jesus is the one without whom nothing makes sense. And Jesus is the one without whom nothing works. And Paul lived in that conviction. And when you read the letter to the Colossians, you will notice already in the first chapter, Paul makes a point of saying that Jesus was a part of God who created the creation. Emilio Castro, a former president of the World Council of Churches, was on target when he said, a finger pointing clearly to Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the best gift we have to give to the world. And Kennedy would second that idea when he wrote, to be sure, as followers of Jesus, we are to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, educate the illiterate, house the homeless, bind up the wounded, take stands for justice, reach out to the needy. But, even if we do all of that, and if we don't invite people into a saving relationship to God who has made himself known in Jesus, we will have failed to give the world the best gift we have to give. Because the best gift we have to give to the world is Jesus. That's another way of saying Jesus is the key. He's the key to everything. But we can't share him unless we have first made, made a way of following him and claiming him as our Lord and as our Savior through faith. And that's the starting place. A personal, faith-filled, obedient, life-changing relationship with Christ. The story is told of a child who was caught in a burning building. And some of you, if not all of you, heard the story this last week of another passerby in one of our cities saw this building on fire and rushed in and saved a number of the children of the family. When it was all said and done, the commentator I was listening to or the news person I was listening to said, before we go, show us your injuries. And he held up his hands and he had all these puncture wounds you saw it, uh, from the glass he broke, breaking the window to get out of there, and then the burns. In this particular story, the father realized that his son was still in there, and he ran in and grabbed the child, wrapped him in a carpet, and brought him out to safety. But in the process, he had burns, his arms and his hands that left permanent scars. When that little child had grown into, up to be an adult, he said, if there was ever a time that I doubted my father's love for me, all I had to do was to look at his hands. A Christian writer then wrote, I look at Jesus on the cross. I see the suffering love there. And I remember God loved the world so much he gave his only son. What more could he do than that? Another Christian writer posed a question, a question which I found rather interesting. The question was this, 
Have you ever thought about the exclamation point God places after, the after his resurrection? For if Jesus' death was not enough to show us his love, God goes one better and he sends Jesus back to earth after the resurrection. For the gospel says that God loves us so much that after his resurrection to life, God the Father sent his son back to earth. He sent, God, he sent Jesus back to earth to the soldiers who had crucified him to say, you are forgiven. He sent Jesus back to earth to Peter, who had denied him, to say, Peter, you are forgiven. He sent Jesus back to earth to the disciples after they had abandoned him in that garden to say to them, you are forgiven. Now, go and tell others that I want, I want them to be my sons and my daughters. Baptize them and bring them to me because I love them too. Don't be careless with God's love. A number of years ago on a Sunday night, the Sunday night after Harry Reasoner died, if you're old enough to remember Harry Reasoner, <coughs> CBS put out a loving tribute that they had put together, particularly focusing on his time, that, his television career. And a number of his fellow journalists had some emotional difficulty in their commenting on him because of their respect and their care for him. And in all of those uh, narrators or commentators, the one who had the last word was Andy Rooney. And if you remember Andy Rooney, you remember he can be pretty crisp. Andy Rooney said this. Reasoner was the most brilliant correspondent to be on television. But he did some dumb things too. Otherwise, he would never have died at the age of 68. For how else could you explain the fact that he had already lost one lung to cancer and still smoked two packs of cigarettes a day? Rooney concluded by saying, I'm sad, but I'm angry too. For Harry was so careless with our affection toward him. One, of the, one, one Christian writer heard that and he said, I heard those words and immediately I thought, that's us. That's what we do to God. Day after day, year after year, God blesses us, calls to us, and reaches out to us, and finally he sends his love to us through Jesus' death on the cross. But so many hear that story and continue to do business as usual. So many hear the story of that love and keep on living as if it had never happened. We are so careless with the greatest of all loves. Scripture defines it this way. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you value that message, his love will touch your lives, change your lives, to live your life to exemplify the Lord's will for others as well as for you, and point people to Jesus 
point people to Jesus just as those first century Christians did and as Christians have always done throughout history. As Kennedy wrote, Christians cannot separate decisions and actions from faith. And he goes on, you will know and be grateful that your ancestors were guided by Christian faith and God's love to influence every facet of life. And we have benefited. When the story is told, you may not be a high profile person or have a high profile, but you will be true to your Lord and with St. Paul, you could say as you live out your faith, God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And when you do that, you will bloom where you are planted. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ unto life everlasting. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.